Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi everyone, it's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Currently, we're reading Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Alston. Today, we're discussing Chapter 25. So, um, previously on Wither Team, <clears throat> there was a lot of information. I feel like Chapter 24 was a lot of new information, old information with new context. Um, but Amari let Dylan know about Maria possibly being Maria's apprentice after her meeting with um, Director Horace. Uh, Dylan was a little bit upset about that, but then got decided that like they're still besties or um, the the they're gonna keep their friendship. And to show his appreciation for her friendship, he bought her a new pair of sky sprints. Um, Elsie and Amari meet in the library, and they learn about the black key, um, which is the key that is needed to open the black book. Um, and they figure out that, like, that is probably the, the thing that Quentin and Vanquish learned about that, um, really got them taken, I guess. Um, because you cannot use the Black Book without having the Black Key. They also, um... We learn a little bit more about the Yetis and how they really run this shit. Uh, <laughs> like the the Yetis um, control over the forest and how much of the Bureau is not only about keeping supernatural world secret, but also keeping the Yetis kind of in check to the best of their abilities. Um, and then Dylan warns Amari about the second tryout because she was not included in the meeting that all of the kids had together to talk about the tryout. They know what it's going to be. It's going to be a treasure hunt in the Bureau. Um, and they're all sharing that knowledge and going and checking out maps of the Bureau and doing a lot of research without including Amari, but Dylan decides to work together with Amari um, as the tryout is coming up. Now. And we didn't talk about this last episode, but it's one thing, like, like I, one thing I noted um, was, like, how Dylan was using his privilege to put um, Amari on similar footing with him, like, whenever he, uh, that's why he brought up getting her disguise sprint shoes and stuff like that. But at the same time, like, they are, like, that's how these systems work, is that it's not enough to just, like, allow for people who don't have the things they, tools they need to be part of the system. Like, oh, well, that, that, them, uh, them being part of it, them being entered into it um, is giving them access, and that's, that should, that's enough. Um, their kids are actively doing the same like anti-magician stuff against Amari like on purpose like they're leaving her out on purpose look around this room 
who doesn't who's not here it's Amari and they didn't invite her on purpose Mm -hmm. and so I really feel a way because it's like not only the systemic lens of that but like how much like these kids are a-holes like it's just really like they really don't they're going out of their way to keep Amari from having similar footing to them and they're flabbergasted by the fact that like she's able to accomplish what she can and be on top of the class despite all the crap they keep her from being having access to yep um so we're in chapter 25 um it's time for the second tryout which i'm actually excited about like trials are actually coming. yes um so uh by the end of the day of today, um, they'll be saying goodbye to half the remaining trainees, bringing the number down from sixteen to eight. Um, but if you pass the tryout, all they'll need to worry about is the finale that is next week. Um, and the finale, like they actually will know what to expect, unlike the mm-hmm. two tryouts. Um, yeah. Um, so then. Yeah, so they're standing in the briefing auditorium of the Department of Supernatural Investigations. Um, Fiona and Magnus stand on stage next to a large basket of eggs. Amari's like, you know you've been here for a while when weird stuff like that doesn't phase you. She, she's also been looking around for Dylan, but he and Lara haven't arrived yet, which is kind of, like, not suspicious, but suspicious. Um, or concerning, I guess, is more the word. Um, so. Fiona um, starts and says, in a moment, we're going to ask that your part- you partner up and send one representative from each pairing up to the stage to collect your first clue. Um, Magnus like interrupts her real quick and she's like, oh, whoops, my apologies. I haven't said what you're getting a clue for, have I? Um, the trial is a treasure hunt seeking to test your ability to puzzle out clues in high pressure situations. Um, so each pair will be going on a unique path through the burrow. Um, and in each location, they'll get a new clue to the next apartment. The first four pairs to finish will receive an invite to the finale. Um, so they have them pair up, and Dylan and Lara walk in like just in time. Um, clearly, they like they kind of glare at each other, so they've been arguing. Um, Lara goes to partner up with Kirsten, and Dylan um, comes over to Amari. Um, Dylan explains that he promised her that he he promised his sister that they would be partners once they were able to choose. Um, but that was before the summer, and he's like, he's kind of like things change. Um, and he knows that like he she's gonna go and whine about it to their dad, but he doesn't really care that much right now. So, um, that's something he kind of is truly committed to like being Amari's partner as opposed to jumping ship and going with Lara and then having Amari stuck with Kirsten of all people. <laughs> Seriously. I think too, it's like really interesting um, to think about how much Lara just like assumes and doesn't really pay attention to what's going on because even mm-hmm. if Amari and Dylan were kind of stuck together, which wasn't really the case I, i'm trying to like think about it but like no they were it was were like talking to um i mean they were but when they were talking to the boogie person 
he like goes out of his way to like sit next to her. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how much Lara pays attention to him buying like her sky sprints if, if she realizes that Dylan bought her sky sprints, but like when she threatened Amari about the book, he stood up for Amari. So it's like really interesting that she doesn't ever like kind of see that. Like she might think like, oh yeah, Dylan isn't as antagonistic to Amari as everyone else is. But that she doesn't recognize at least that like they are kind of friendly or Dylan is kind of yeah, like interested in or is not is like actively trying to like make Amari feel included and then kind of tamp down the vitriol just to like make peace with her twin brother, right? She just thinks like I can continue to treat Amari like crap. I can do all of these things even though I see that they're kind of building a relationship and then he will just be my partner. I feel like one um we've talked about the fact that like Dylan ain't got no friends. <laughs> and so I don't think I don't know that Lara would know the signs of Dylan making a friend. Um and then two I don't it's very nice of you to assume that Lara would actually care about her twin brother's feelings. Um when it came to another person, I feel like the way that their family is, especially her father, I feel like Alara would expect him to go to do whatever his father says the thing should do, which includes taking that extra time that he won with Amari and instead of using of using that with Amari once again, using it with Lara, because um that's an advantage that they would want to take um advantage of as their family being a unit. So I don't I feel like Lara will put winning above anything that her brother cares about. And then, like, she would just assume that, like, her brother would want to win with her because why wouldn't he? Right. I think she's also counting on that extra 30 seconds head start because... All right. um, Dylan and Amari both have it. And so if they were to choose different partners, they, like, both groups would have that. Yeah. Which, honestly, if I was trying to be in the Bureau, I would be cozying up to Amari. Right? If I was trying to be in the Department of Supernatural Investigations, like... But, you know, these kids aren't all that bright. Um. <laughs> and they're still... They're, like, she has a head start. There's only... What did they say? Three people will make it? Um, four. Of the, four. But for this eight. It's 16 and then down to eight. It's groups. It's like four. Yeah. There's four mm-hmm. duos that will win. Yeah, but like how many trainees in general? I think they said like three trainees. Oh, four will, slots. Are four open. slots into. Um, yeah, so like at this point, too, after that first trial, and she has that head start. And again, I'm going to just keep going back to this because it like boggles the mind that like no one. She was the one that figured it out. Like Dylan right. made it pretty. Are, but Dylan did not figure it out. Amari figured it out. If you really about that life, like, it just, be nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Make it work to your advantage, but kids are not smart. These kids in particular. Um, the kids have been left behind. <laughs> um, so... Fiona has Amari and Dylan come to collect their first clue. They get a 30-second head start. 
Um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that means they get the benefit of not having to share an elevator. So, um, Dylan grabs their clue. Um, once everyone has it, um, Fiona has them. Well, she says, don't give us a hard time about our clues where we aren't poets after all. So that means we're going to have to read some interesting, uh, turns of phrase. (laughs) Um, so Dylan you know what and I find start... so funny about that oh. is like when people are like, "We're not poets." It's like, well, then why did you make it rhyme? Right? Why did you make you didn't a, have to? Why did you? Why did you do riddles? Why did you set yourself up for failure? Why did you set? You yeah, can... you did. You you designed you put yourself this. out here. Yeah, yeah. At, at minimum, you could have little waned it. You know, like <laughs> little Wayne great for some making a word rhyme halfway and then yeah. putting the rest Oops, of the word at the end and then to the next verse. Yep, who did that? Mm-hmm. gotta think you gotta think strategically but i also think it's funny like there i, I uh, as always i'm always on the hunt for suspicious behavior um and i really love that um magnus had to lean over and say something to fiona for her to remind them about what the We're actual tryout is. Like, what is it supposed to be? Like, what the framework of it is? And yeah. I was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so they, Dylan crushes the egg in his palm, unfolds the paper inside, um, and it reads, That thing in the shed, was it even real? The girl on the phone says, it's no big deal. He can't believe it. It tried to eat me. The girl on the phone disagrees completely. I'm a surgeon. I'll fetch my laser. Please calm down. Helps on the way, sir. A bit more fussing, then finally they're here, and with the press of a button, she erases his fear. Um, it's not terrible. The I'm bad. a surgeon. I'll, I'll I'll fetch my laser is a little, eh, but you know, it's not I bad. feel like it's doing a lot. Like, I but the like help is on the way, sir. Is pretty with great. Less words. Yeah, it's a good rhyme. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely could have used less words. Like, it could have been a quick little like riddle, a haiku, but even a haiku. Yeah, but they they did. Um. But yeah, but Dylan immediately clocks that it's the Department of Half Truths, Half Truths, and full cover-ups. Um, so, and then Amari's like, all nine one one calls that deal with the supernatural get forwarded to the call center. Um, so they race out of the auditorium, um, and go into Luciano the elevator. Um, and as their doors close, the rest of the trainees are coming out of the auditorium. So they get a little bit of head start, like I said. Um, Amari's glad that they got Luciano because he sings a soft ballad that calms her nerves. Um, so they get to the department of half-truths and full cover-ups. Um, and the door opens to what Amari thinks is the coolest lobby in the bureau. It's, uh, basically every inch of the walls are lined with covers from famous magazines from the known world, but they're changed to show what really happened. Um, so there's one of the famous, uh, life magazine cover that shows an astronaut on the moon. And it says Apollo 11 gets tow from friendly alien cruiser after running out of fuel. Um, there's another one about the invasion of mutant concrete eating termites that brought down the Berlin wall. Um, all of the giant termites are wearing mutants for world peace t-shirts. So it's like very silly. And also, um, like, it's just cool that, like, I like this chapter because we get to see more 
departments. Um, and it just helps, like, you know, we're not so stuck in, like, the Department of Supernatural Investigations. Um, it's good for the story building, too, like, yeah. the, the world building as well, like, like making the Bureau feel more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, sidebar, I do not appreciate that the Bureau is basically saying that some of humanity's best uh, moments are all deemed to, like, interventions. Yeah. Like, can, they, can the people have anything? Like, are they proficient at anything is my question. The answer it is no. It gives me very much ancient <laughs> aliens, but at least it's, like, everything. It's not... Yeah. Ancient, I don't know if you guys know this about ancient aliens, but it's basically, like, there's no way people of color could have... Yeah. Like, figured any of this Do out and have any aliens. Um... But at least this way, it's like no, not no human is smart enough to do this. So we got it. Know. Yeah. But. Um. So they rush the lobby into the main hall, which is ten times as busy as the Department of Supernatural Investigations. Um. But they keep close to the wall and move. So it looks like they also have. I feel like the departments are all. Um, like the floor plans are very similar. So this also has a U that they have to follow to get to where they're like, to find where they're trying to go. Um, So they get to the call center um, and then just sort of wander the aisles, listening to double talkers and junior double talkers at work. So that's what they're like. Titles, I guess are, which is interesting. Um, so they hear things like, you say your mother-in-law is haunting you. Assuming what you say is true, might you deserve it? Um, <laughs> try two plus two. The calculator said it equals five. Oh, this is serious. The math gods are clearly upset with you. You'll be wanting to make an in-person apology. You can make an appointment at the nearest tax office. Um, and then there's another junior double talker who asks for a spare hypnosis radio. Um, and he puts the call, he starts playing soft music, puts the call on speakerphone, um, and then says, are you listening? Yes, that's some smooth jazz, isn't it? Um, now, repeat after me. There wasn't a mummy I saw in the woods, but rather an unfortunate fellow who survived a plane crash and needed a full body cast. Yes, I dare say the bloke might be a bit put off by you running away, running away in terror and all. No, definitely don't go back and apologize. So, it's <laughs> very, uh, it's just, like, funny and a little, you know, chaotic. Um, it's That, to me, is, like... <sighs> we get a little bit more of this department, spoiler, um, in the next book, but, like, that, to me, seems like a fun gig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, working in the call center. Being a double talker and just being like, oh, so you saw a mummy, what, mm-mm. full body cast. Yep, that's what you saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like no very much quick thinkers yeah um which is maybe like part of the like su- if you need that kind of like supernatural uh ability to be able to like quickly uh come up with an explanation for like weird things that happen um yeah so they find a empty cubicle that says reserved for junior agent trainees. Um, and then once Amari sits down, the phone, there's a phone there that starts to ring. So Amari answers. Somebody says, I've got a bit of an issue. Well, I seem to have a clue and no one to tell it to. 
So mm-hmm. um, Amari is like, you can tell it to us. Uh, the voice clears his throat and says, finding this clue was easy enough, but don't you get cocky because now it gets tough. Head to a, ro- to a room of dangerous things, fangs and claws and barbs that sting. Locate the beast that's not like the rest with a heavenly name created in jest. Um, so they're off to the Department of Creature Control. Um, and- Before we leave this department, I just want to note that I thought it was very cute how they, none of the people who work in the department were like at all um thrown by the trees just showing up like they just kept on with their regular day and like had were not at all like trying to be helpful or even just like watching like as an audience they were like nah i got i'm busy i got a quota that i gotta hit today Mm -hmm. i am not worried about these kids yeah they're like this has nothing to do with me um so they go to the department of creature control this time they get lucy who zips them uh up to that department um so then they go into so this is the largest floor of the bureau um it's as big it's as big as all the other departments combined and aside from the lobby it's all wilderness um so they they go out they meet they meet the senior wilderness ranger um named becca alford who is supposed to like guide them through which i appreciated (laughs) that like like obviously the call center is like not really all that dangerous you don't like you can figure out what you're doing on your own but then they have to go into like the predator section of this department and they are not junior uh rangers so they would have no idea how to approach this um so having somebody to like help and guide them in that way i think was really smart um then, like, i also love the mm-hmm. idea of like I mean, we t- I talked about this a little bit when uh, last episode, but like working together with people from different departments, like that cross-functional. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little bit more like the uh, ranger is just kind of making sure that they don't die. Uh, yeah. But, you know, just like knowing, going and seeing the different departments and like knowing what's going on, because I feel like if you are going to be an investigator or an agent, you do kind of need to know like where you're going to get sources or under, like, you know, get your information from and stuff. So I, I like the thing I like a lot about this chat, this uh, tryout is the like meeting and speaking with people from different departments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they step out of the lobby onto a grassy hilltop Um and you'd never know they were still indoors. The massive hologram on the ceiling looks just like a cloudless blue sky. Um, Amari can even feel the warmth of the sun on her face. Real wind whips around them um, and even smells like outdoors. So basically the whole thing is real. You know if, they're um, black mom- if they have black mamas? Their black mamas like, child, you've been outside. Like, like, right, you know, literally. It like, smells like, like outside. It's like a shower. You smell like the outside. Like, go in the shower. Literally. Um, there's yeah, there's like a wide forest, a lush uh green jungle, there's a snowy valley, sand desert, so like they got all different types of habitats and ecosystems. Um and the only thing that's fake is the sky. Um Ranger Alfred says that they've done everything in their power to give the critters an authentic as authentic a habitat as they can while they're there. Um So they go into they get into the Jeep, um and go through the jungle 
where they see things like silvery white unicorns, a pack of flying pigs, um, and a kaleidoscopic serpent that leaves a shimmering rainbow trail in the sky. So they, there's a lot of different creatures here, which is kind of exciting. They get to the jungle habitat. Oh, go ahead. I would like to know what the difference is between like the animals that are like in this protected bureau area versus mm-hmm. the animals that just exist in the wild like are these endangered species like why are they the ones that are inside the bureau and why are there like like not the similar kind of like set arrangements and habitats for the ones that are still living um out in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely um so then uh ranger alfred turns to them when they get to the jungle habitat and is basically like um, just you know, safety things. We're about to get into the predator section. Don't leave the jeep until I say, unless I say it's safe. You're allowed to ask me questions, but if I have to step in to help to save either of you, then you're automatically fail the tryout. So again, like it, it helps that they're like we have a level of like or a measure of safety, um, built into this tryout. Um, but also, you know. It's like they you know, not making figure it their, out. Yeah, it's like not making not making them risk their lives to become junior agents, but also like you have to figure out how to do it without risking your life, kind of situation. Love BNC content. Want to see the tricks behind the treats? Every month we drop behind the scenes and bonus content on our Patreon. Baddies at any tier get access to notes, process videos, and podcast outtakes. Support us on Patreon at any tier by going to patreon.com slash blacknerdscreate. Okay, so then um, they continue down the, jo- the dirt trail, trail, dirt trail, um, but a lot slower. Ranger Alfred's expression is serious now. Um, she's constantly watching the trees. Um, Amari jumps when a streak of gold flashes across the trail in front of them. It disappears into the bushes. Uh, there's a deafening roar that rattles the Jeep doors. Um, the trail curves and they see a gigantic lion made of pure gold. Um, that's It's called a Nemean lion, the true kings of the jungle. Um, at least when there aren't any dragons around, which... Love that. Love that little tidbit. Um, <laughs> okay, Luna. <laughs> she said, I'm the true king of the jungle. Um, <laughs> Luna has thoughts about dragons. Right? King of the jungle. Luna said, mm-hmm. king of the jungle. That, queen. She said, queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then they also find a swamp beast covered in horns, um, a griffin that swoops down and emerges with some poor creature in its beak. And then Dylan says, stop. Um, he points to a large flowery bush in the small clearing. There, that's it. It has to be. Um, so it's a Mars man trap, um, which again, the clue said, locate the beast that's not like the rest. All the other predators are animals. This is the only plant. Um, and then it has a heavenly name because Mars is a planet in space, um, making it a hev- heavenly body. Um, and it's called the Mars man trap as a joke, comparing it to Venus fly traps of the known world. So they got it together. Amari's like, great job. I'd never have figured that out. And Dylan laughs and's like, my tutor would be so proud because 
again, he has the resources and money to have a tutor for this. Um, That's the value of having extra, a bit like um, access to things that'll help you um, support your educational opportunities. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just I'm reminded of whenever I was in band. Yes, I'm a band geek. Um, and my we had like um, seasonal like um ensemble like solo and ensemble things you could do as like extra credit with the band some of them are required sometimes they would be extra credit for each extra one you did um and one of my friends had a flute tutor and the flute tutor and um my friend and I we were practicing our piece ahead of us having to do this recital or like it's like a one-on-one it was like a coach would come into the room and then you do your piece and then they would like score you and then they would give it to the people and the um, tutor was like, do you have a tutor? And I was like, no. She was like, you do, like you, you should have a tutor. Like you should have an instructor. And I was like, yeah, that would be nice if I could afford one. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. always funny too, because I remember, I, th- I might have told the story before, but like someone I went to college with, um, bragging about their academic scholarship and then finding out that they had tutors in like every subject and went to a private school and like I'm like of course you have an academic scholarship like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're literally like and as much money as your parents paid for all of that like they could have just you know paid full ride and let someone who actually needed that scholarship use it you know but sure um that's the crappy thing about like a fake meritocracy because instead of looking at scholarships as like a financial need it's gotten like to them it was a status symbol of like yeah the kids how great paint it or whatever Mm -hmm. because it shows their level of like merit or whatever like that like and i I earned it from my smarts but it's like your smarts paid for as like, well fantastic <laughs> use those smarts to have a really great test grade and just <laughs> test into the school you don't need a dang scholarship like yeah. be like and if anything like it's like catching a fit you get catch and release catch the scholarship like thanks now i can tell everyone that i earned it and then yeah. i'll release it to the system whoever needs it can have it yep that's ridiculous um a laugh <laughs> So they get out of the trunk. Becca and Dylan are quick to squeeze their noses shut. Um, but Amari doesn't. And the sweetest scent hits her nose. She suddenly gets lightheaded. Um, not that she cares. She just wants to go over and smell the beautiful flowers up close. She takes a few steps and then is yanked back. Someone, <laughs> Somebody has the nerve to throw an arm around me and put their hand over my nose. But then she, Dylan explains that the scent lures peep there like, prey in close so that it can eat you ranger alfred warns again be careful if it looks like one of you are in real danger i won't hesitate to step in um so amari holds her nose and is like thanks i'm good so they find or they see a small rectangle like white rectangle in front of the flower flower bush which is the next clue so they have to figure out how to get it without um being eaten amari asks it how it knows when you're close to it and uh ranger alfred says that some of the blossoms are actually eyes so it's watching them right now which is kind of creepy but interesting i guess <laughs> as far as predator plants department go. of creature control 
Nope. To I'm know out. from you, dog. <laughs> I get my Pokemon. To know from you, dog. Again, my familiarity with Pokemon makes me very okay with this. I'm either mm-hmm. so many plants that have eyes and just like walk around in the Pokemon. Plants universe. with eyes though makes me think that they also have like sentience and can think. Like if you have an eyes, that means that you're able to recognize things, figure out what they are, and eat them. Why is it not an animal? I mean, like, I know plants are alive, but I think also, of them as kind of the morality like single... of the Pokemon universe is always at some level of like, like just like big, like big question marks for like when they're eating the fish. Is it the Pokemon that later turns into the dragon fish? Um, when there's this thing called Moo Milk, and there's literally a cow that is a Pokemon that has some like is producing the Moo Moo Milk, and you're just like. How do they farm these cows? It's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of questions in the Pokeverse around what you're eating and what you're feeding your other Pokemon. It's a lot. Yikes. And you just don't think about it too hard. You just keep moving. <sighs> and you have a good day. Ooh. Okay, so Amari has an idea. Um, she They go and crouch behind the Jeep. She says, okay, don't freak out, but I want to show you something. She makes a fist and covers it with her other hand and says, duplicarta. A second her pops into existence. Uh, Dylan holds in a laugh, but Ranger Alfred swallows and then asks, is that magic? Amari nods and then says, I think I can use it to help us if you give me permission. Which, again, because they haven't said whether it was against the rules. Mm -hmm. So she's just like kind of covering her bases. Um, The Ranger looks uncomfortable and says, spells aren't really allowed inside the Bureau. Um, but then says, but it doesn't sit right with me that all the others are allowed to use their abilities and you're not. So she allows like Amari to use her magic, even despite her own like fears and I guess conditioning against being a magician, which what a real one, you know? Yeah. All right. Turn the page. So Amari has her illusion, the illusion Amari, um, stumble toward the flowers with a dazed look. Um, she can see the bush shiver as she gets closer. A great big mouth emerges from the bushes, chomping at the air where Illusion Amari stands. But now she makes the illusion hover in the air just just above the plant. It snaps viciously at her again and again. While the beast is distracted, Dylan and Ranger Alfred dash out into the clearing. Dylan snatches the envelope and they both make it back to the jeep without the Mars man trap realizing what happened. And Dylan's like, I can't believe that worked. Me neither, says uh, the ranger. And she's like, you were supposed to feed it slumber berries in these bushes, uh, but you managed it well enough. (laughs) She's like, we definitely were not doing this, setting this up in a way where like you had to be a magician. (laughs) Yeah. But you you did what you had to do. So Dylan opens up the next clue. It says, congratulations on not being food, but I do hope you're in a deciphering mood. Your next destination put it clear and plain is in the baffling department of the unexplained obtaining the last clue will require some wit for it lies near the bottom of a bottomless pit this one i kind of feel like the uh agents who wrote this one just kind of gave up yeah they were like (laughs) i have no more rhymes in me the thing is yeah because i'm like you literally could have been like we're not going to tell you what it is (laughs) and they would have been like oh the department of unexplained you know like your next clue goes unnamed heads the department of 
blank. You know, Ooh. so yeah, like we're not even, or yeah. But it's not even that. It's more that they, it's more that they like specifically say go to the Department of Unexplained. I get the I get that they need like, to actually tell them where they need to go when. But department. I'm saying like the other ones, they don't say specifically which department. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I for this know, one, I feel like they, like they have to know where to like because I feel like here's my thing: how many departments in the borough could possibly and feasibly logically house a bottomless pit? Many sure. of them. That's true. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tricky one for sure. I'm not saying I have a better uh, a better option. <laughs> so yeah, so they go they're the heads of the Department of Unexplained. Um, well, before that, they're on their way back. They're still with the Ranger, um, and she asks Amari. Um, she's like, "You can control your magic." And Amari says, so far, I really only know a few things. But I was always told, I thought that too much magic, she shakes her she shakes her head. You're just an ordinary 12-year-old girl from what I can tell. Smiling, good-natured. I guess what I'm trying to say is you're not what I was expecting. So again, it's like these folks have been taught these things um, since they entered the magical world, whatever age that was. And Ranger Alfred, in part because she's able to like, set that aside for the purposes of the trial. Like she's not like, because she's able to keep an open mind and not like focus too much on like, you're a magician, you're evil from jump. Like it allows her to realize that like what she's been taught isn't necessarily true. And like, um, so yeah. I was also thinking about how impactful it is that Amari is 12. Like, she's like, you're just a kid. Mm-hmm. You're just, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, I think if you met someone like Moreau or someone that was a little bit on your level or whatever, you might lean into that, but like, you, she, you can see that, like, Amari's innocence and you can see the, like her thought process too, because in the in the way in which this is a trial, and they're trying to figure this, like her thought process and what and like how she's using the magic in a way that like other kids would use their magical ability. Mm-hmm. She, that's what she's using her illusions for. Like it just like helps humanize. I was thinking about this with like you know we talk about like all the time. It's like you see politicians who are like anti-gay, anti-trans, whatever, 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 anti-whatever pro-bigotry in some form and then someone close to them comes out or says something and then all of a sudden they're like oh they're just like us and you're like no human wow (laughs) mind mind blowing but they Mm -hmm. need to like know someone and like see them fully as opposed to it just being an abstract right and i think that that's like the beauty of what amari is able to do and if the bureau especially dr Van helsing could get their heads out of their butt like she would be such a great ambassador for people having a like personal connection to a magician and not allowing it to just be this like unknown that they're scared of. That would be counter their whole thing, though. And as you said that, I was uh, starkly reminded of how Prince Harry talked about Meghan Markle. 
and how it's a missed opportunity for the royal family to use Meghan Markle as a goodwill ambassador to like um, showcase how uh, the monarchy can all be inclusive. And I'm like, that's not the actual thing, though, Harry. Like, that's not the mission of the monarchy. That's not what they're interested in doing. That's literally like we like. I get what you you think, and you're not even. He's not even thinking in a way of like, um, how heartwarming it could be for people to see themselves represented. He's seeing it as like a like a marketing kind of measure yeah. and like just like as a way to maintain like his wives' um treatment um being better by people in the royal family and who hold power. Um, and then maintaining the power, not them, um, not her using her position to bring the power to the people, because none of them are, are yeah, actively the, like the point she, is the exclusivity and the superiority, yeah. and so they like, have to especially be. in Harry's mind, and even probably in Meghan's mind, um, to the royal to the uh, to the status, like to to the all of the people who've been help maintaining the system, um. I think that she does represent the possibility that people would think that the power will be extended to them as well through her. And they don't like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, that's exactly what's happening here with Amari is that like, <laughs> if you were to put like, cause think about it, the um, chief of the full of the whole bureau it has not shown herself to be as like bigoted towards Amari has been more like open to Amari being part of stuff has not shown her, uh, but the way that Ben Helsing has. And at the same time, that same chief has not taken it upon herself to like see if Amari um, would want to be a spokesperson for magicians and the bureau working together. That same chief has not like the only thing the chief has done is allowed Amari to talk to Moreau and how much how publicized is that? You know what I mean? Like there's nothing that's actively um trying to make the case that Amari is a good person, even though she has the ability and the like um selfishness to want to try to gain from Amari's reputation. Like there's at no point is she actively trying to do that because that's not in her purview and that's just all it's on her purview because it's the way that it's always been done is to uh regiment and oppress the magicians like why would you ever go counter centuries of tradition when it comes to magicians yep um i think you're talking robin and the mic is muted yeah, I was saying, yeah, girl can dream. I muted myself because my dog was being super cute and I had to awe. But um, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just wish it was different. Same. Yeah. So they get back to the lobby. Um, Amari and Dylan head to the Department of Unexplained. Um and Amari's like praying that mischief won't snitch on her for sneaking out to go meet Magician Girl uh, to the two agents that they're sharing the elevator with. But all the this elevator, elevator does is go like, is taunt with a I know something you don't know, which is just like <laughs> this elevator, like talking about like tea and spilling tea, like mm. I just like this. I'm sure this elevator has probably started some mess just to do it. See, and that's the catch-22 about mischief. It's because, like, you need to use that elevator to get away with mess, but then you're under the constant fear of 
and blackmail of like being exposed for the message you were trying to get away with. Right. Right. Yeah. Definitely sounds like uh mischief won't snitch, but won't but is the only one who knows that they won't snitch. Yeah. Right. Like if mischief won't snitch, only mischief yeah. Like I but you're like, still you, gonna you get never, like that's the thing about, but that's my thing is why I don't like, I don't like people who are like this because people who are like this, sometimes like they don't intend to let something slip, but because they're being messy, it slips out anyway. And you're like, you could have not, you were playing around and now stuff is out here. It's a good thing mischief is AI, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. As not just intense. You'll never. Uh, as much as that could ever again. ever be a good thing, it is not a good thing. That was sarcasm, but still, silver linings. I guess I don't know. Mm. Okay, so they get there. Um, the lobby is pitch black. When they step off the elevator, a spotlight in the ceiling shines down on them. It follows them to the back of the lobby, where a second spotlight shines shines down on a boy who is fast asleep. Um. Dylan gives him a nudge. He jumps to his feet and is like, many apologies. Our department is closed during the day, so I'd usually be in bed right now. Um, anyway, I'll be your guide tonight. I mean, today. Uh, I trust you know where you're headed. Um, which, like, dang, like, they couldn't... I guess they gotta go to all the bureaus. Sucks for <laughs> the guy. They don't have an all-day, like, like, a day uh, team, like... a day shift, and a night well, shift. Well, that's what's like, weird about the really this department. Is like, it doesn't seem like it needs to be a nighttime At thing. At night. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I could see the um, Good Omens, Bad Vibes. What is it? <laughs> good Fortunes. Good Fortunes, Bad Omens. Um, being more nighttime because they're reading the stars and constellations and all that stuff. And that's when the, the stars are out. I could see it with, like, the ghostly ones the mediums and stuff like that kind of makes sense the health um one is 24 hours which makes sense because people get hurt at all times of night but like this one seems like you could maybe it should be 24 hours unexplained things happen whenever they're gonna happen and also it should just be in the daytime because it'll still be unexplained in the morning I feel like most unexplained stuff does happen at night, though, because you can't really see. Like, perception is off, and then that leads to a lot of unexplained things. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not advocating for it to be either one, but I can, I can understand yeah, why but it's, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But also, I can see why, like, how you were saying, like, having day shifts or, you know. But maybe yeah. they just all are deciding, you know what? We only need one, uh... We only need one time to be here. We don't have to be a twenty-four hours situation like the department of. Maybe they had, like maybe health. they had former like in previous years had tried having uh, multi shifts or even like twenty-four hours and it didn't work out and they're like nah we're just nighttime. It could also be like the people who are suited best suited for it are night owls maybe and they're just like you work when it makes the most sense for you and everyone chose nighttime. We'll never know. Will we never know? But we like we'll to, ne- to we won't lore. know this chapter. <laughs> mm. Um. So they uh are headed to the bottomless pit. Um. The boy says, "Unexplained oddities are on the right side of the U. Please follow me." 
Um, and Dylan's like, aren't you going to tell us your name? And the boy says, no. And for that matter, I don't plan on answering any of your questions either. You do get you're in the department of the unexplained. Um, which is like, <laughs> I do like I though that like, roll my eyes at him they so get hard. A different, they get a different vibe in every place they're going. Um, like you have the double talkers, like not even paying attention to him, that you have the um, ranger who's like, helping them but you know up to a point and then you have this guy who's just like no <laughs> you're interrupting me he's this like you're interrupting my sleep I... and all i have to do is show you where you to go so that you don't mess things up in here <laughs> yeah i am not um, explaining anything i take my job very seriously mm-hmm. my job is unexplained <laughs> yeah um so the junior cur- curator leads them into the main hallway um they're going passing by great big rooms blocked off by dark red curtains they pass one uh that reads what happens when an unstoppable force strikes an immovable object dylan drifts closer but the boy says lay a finger on that curtain and you're disqualified um the next curtain says cause of the bermuda triangle um followed by the wormhole to a parallel universe origin of both the chicken and the egg um, and then they finally come to the bottomless pit. So there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. I don't know. I want to know the chicken or the egg. Yeah. I feel like I would be a junior curator just to know these things. Yeah. The one that would have Especially my curiosity. You don't have to talk to anyone because you don't you have to tell anyone explained. about it. Yeah. yeah. The one, the curiosity the- in me, like I would want to know the Bermuda Triangle one because it's always been like, what is going on over there? Yeah. I could see that. Mm-hmm. there's a lot in here this would be okay um i know the question now actually oh no i think this is a question. Oh, we did this it. would yeah. this would this would be the one that you're this would be your department i mean we're still we haven't done undersea release we haven't done what undersea there's a lot we'll this? just they, that one was mentioned. There's just a lot of them. But, you know, we, we've seen enough, I think, that we can yeah. sort of decide. They go through the curtain. doesn't look like anything special. Just a boring stone well in the middle of the floor. But when you when she looks inside, there's pitch darkness. Um, the junior curator is like, careful, if you fall in, they'll never be able to get you out. You'll just keep falling forever. Um, no, thank you. So, yeah, nah. They circle the pit. That's- Worse than what happened to Loki. Like, at least uh, he got out of there. <laughs> I've been falling for 30 minutes. I've been falling for 30 minutes. Yes, exactly. Um, so they're trying to figure out how to get near the bottom of something that doesn't have a bottom. Um, Dylan tries dropping a quarter to the into the pit to see what happens. Nothing you know, clearly doesn't hit the bottom because it's bottomless. Um, so they're trying to figure out what to do. Amari's starting to sweat. Um, at some point she asks the junior curator, don't you have an air conditioning in here? He flinches. Um, Amari's like, wait, you flinched. He's I like, just want to say, not. <laughs> that is me. Like, if I'm trying to hold something back, like, I, I know I have a tell, because sometimes I do react to somebody asking me something, and I'm, like, trying to keep it a secret. I, like, my mm-hmm. body will auto-react, like, a, something. Like, I feel me move, and I'm like, please don't. Please don't mm-hmm. let them catch that. And the fact that they caught it, would have got me because I'm like, please don't don't look at me too hard because you might right. get the answer if you ask me. 
and then watch me closely enough to see what like I'm reacting to you. Like I am mm-hmm. that curator. I would flinch. Like something I would my I would I would switch something. Twitch or something. You'd be like yeah. cough or you're like, oh yeah. I, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be able to do this, but I wouldn't volunteer. They'd be like, Robin, you can stay asleep because <laughs> 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 you're not the one. Right. Um so Amari realizes um, that there are floor vents, which means that they cut off the AC in that room for a reason. Um, And the reason is they're supposed to go into the vent to find the clue. So they, so Amari goes in because she's smaller. And then she's like, it's so dark in here. How will I know which way to go? Dylan goes to the bottomless pit to shout. And then she basically like follows his voice she goes down the duct, uh, a tiny little flashlight points upward. She crawls closer until she gets to a photograph taped to the top of the duct. Um, it looks like a large pirate ship falling over a waterfall. There's nothing else on the back, but she brings it out. Um, and Dylan explains that it's the edge of the world. And Amari is like, the world is round. It doesn't have edges. And Dylan's like, it does have one, but it's hidden. Which Ooh. means we're going to the Department of Hidden Places. Ooh, um, the flat earthers hear this now. I know. <laughs> I do kind of like the idea of there like being an edge, but I feel like it would have to be like it's not like you can fall off of the earth into space, but maybe it's like some other thing. Like maybe you fall into a wormhole or maybe you fall into you know what I mean? I feel like, like the edge of reality or something. I don't know. I'm more of a center of the earth girl than I am a mm. flat earth girl. Like, I would, like, totally be cool with, like, if there was a bottomless pit, it seemed bottomless, but you're actually going into, like, the co- inner core of the earth. Mm. Um, and you, there was, like, another society that, like, lived under the crust. Like, that would be interesting to me. Yeah. Ooh. So they run to the department of, or they run to the elevator to go to the department of hidden places. Um, and they have to dart between the legs of a tall green ogre to step and they get Lucy, which is the fastest elevator zip down the underground tunnel. They sprint down the neon sign that or past the neon sign that says department of hidden places this way, or is it in order to get into this department, they have to keep their hands above their heads, even as the tunnels get dark. And then there's like a button that they press. That's like on the ceiling. And then once that happens, the floor beneath them shivers and lifts them up through the ceiling into the lobby of the Department of Hidden Places. There's enormous portraits of lost cities lining the walls um, and plaques revealing their names like Shangri-La, Avalon, and Shambhala. Um, They dash over to the agent that is sitting at a small table and they've officially uh, completed all the clues and earned invitations to the finale. Um, They got there. But then the agent asks, she's saying that it's really odd that there's so that this year the times are faster than other years. Um, and she asks if they heard anything about the tryout that might have given them an advantage and says that cheating will not be tolerated. Um, which they did hear something because everyone heard something and was mm-hmm. told about uh, what the trial would be. And Amari is kind of feeling like, how did you know? She's just like, how can we even think we could get away with this? I can't believe I've ruined Quentin's legacy. It's bad enough that Quentin's little sister is a cheater. I won't make it worse by lying. But she's so, she's so pure. Like, 
Yeah. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have even thought that. I'd have been like, I, dang, I got caught. I got caught, or, but also like, no one, no one asked me. I didn't ask right. me. I was told. Right. I didn't go out of my way. I wasn't trying to spy. I was, I, was I, someone told, I was, I didn't, my ears were open and then someone said something. I wasn't invited was to there. that meeting in which they were talking right. about it. I was told secondhand. Exactly. Um, the agent smiles and says, it's good to know you didn't cheat. And then Amari's like, wait, we did hear something. Um, Dylan is surprised, but then he says, it's my fault. I heard the tryout was based on bureau knowledge and I told Amari about it, but I didn't report, I didn't tell him to report it. And I definitely studied my brains out to be ready, says Amari. The agent crosses her arms and says, I'm disappointed in both of you to have elite badges and choose to cheat is a disgrace. I'm sorry to say this, but congratulations you've officially passed the second tryout you've shown the integrity and honest character befitting a future agent of the department of supernatural investigations um so it was a don't trick mess with me. They... <laughs> don't mess with me homegirl like come on you remember that note that i had at the top about yep. how fiona it was that fiona was not um telling them about what the actual tryout was going to be that day just as mm-hmm. like oh yeah like y'all need to get grouped up and like and Max is like, she hey, hey, don't knew. forget, they're not supposed to know. Um, yes. Because they leaked the information on purpose. Part of the test was to see if they would be honest um, about that. So Again, I wonder if Laura made it because. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, some of these kids, I feel like, would have lied. Oh, definitely. So, um, but yeah, but they made it to the finale. They still got a chance to bring home Vanquish. And Amari is like just overcome with emotions. She's crying a little bit. Amari, or sorry, Dylan takes her hand and they just like stand together holding hands for a bit. Aww. Cute. Cute. And that's where we leave off. So, who is the MVP? I, because of the way that the departments are designed, just, I mean, the actual MVP is E.B. Alston because brilliant, yeah. but yeah. Um, I gave it to the department designers because they really put their foot into these departments actually like being befitting of what they are, the work that they do. Mm-hmm. The hidden places button, genius. Yeah. Um. The I don't think the Department of Unexplained was like like it was but it really plays into your curiosities, but it also was like I don't it wasn't like the way to get into it was any kind of like special way that I thought would be like really cool. Yeah. But, but I, I think also like, that possibly could have been the fact that it was like closed, you know, it's like off hours. Yeah. Too, mm-hmm. which I think Maybe. is interesting. Um, um I also enjoy like all of the apartments we got prior to this chapter, uh, besides the law enforcement one. Um, I appreciate the one for uh, good fortunes and bad omens. Like I mm-hmm. love that design. Like, I just like all these like departments have been well designed, and the people who uh, work within them are all like like you can see the natural fit behind the departmental like design the people who work within it and then it all just like is very practical and aligned in that way and I love it so probably the MVP is BB Austin but also mm. it's really department designers as well right I said Amari just because like both having quick thinking you know being super smart but then also at the end of the day being like I'm gonna admit that we low-key cheated even though 
you know, not everybody would have done that. <laughs> I said Ranger Alford. Um, I think that, like, I really appreciate the acknowledgement of, like, oh, one, it's I personally don't think that it's fair for you to not be able to use your supernatural ability when everyone else is able to use theirs. So mm-hmm. in the spirit of like fairness, I'm going to make this judgment call, right? Because they very clearly, like it's illusions or ma- ma- magic. It's weird to say like magic isn't allowed because magic is allowed. There's magic all over the place. But like being a magician magicianship is not allowed um but that is amari's supernatural ability so like i i appreciate that and then i also just appreciate that even though they have preconceived notions about what it is to be a magician they said like sure go ahead um and then once they saw what amari did recognized it thought about their preconceived notions thought about the ways in which they were unfairly kind of Uh, assuming things about magicians and then like openly you know admitted to that and you have the sense that like they're well on their way to I'm not saying that people people don't change overnight but they're well on their way to like starting to rethink their beliefs and where they come from and and looking at evidence and so I just really appreciated that and that coming from an adult um when we've seen all of these like adults just kind of shut Amari down. Um, so yeah, Ranger offered. Nice. Um, benched. I didn't really, I couldn't really choose somebody, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I ended up benching the Bureau um, as like a holistic entity. And that, was mostly just because of and maybe it's not you know what no it's not the bureau it's the department of investigation supernatural investigations because of the way in which they kind of like we've talked about it throughout like the way in which they foster this competition and this lack of um camaraderie and then get mad that children take that to be an reason to bully and exclude and um even though Amari finds out about the trial anyway and find and like then also comes clean and it's like yeah I found out about the trial like the fact that they have this kind of um culture or environment in which it's like totally fine to for them, or they think that it's totally fine for them to do that. And like, I, I feel like 12, this kind of like age group, 12, 13 is when you start to see like this idea of like clicks and, and pairing off and like um, stuff like that. But when you th- think of about kids around that age, it goes a long way to have like, program or just like have the culture or the design of like everyone's included you know um Mm -hmm. and I just personally think that like okay once these kids do become agents 
it's hard to turn that off. Like I've been competing against you. I've been seeing you as an enemy or seeing you as competition or seeing you as, you know, not fitting in. And now all of a sudden I'm supposed to work with you. Like that's very difficult to like do. And I just think that that there's a way in which you can have tryouts and find the best agents or find the kids that will make the best agents without making it so competitive and um, exclusionary. So department of supernatural affairs. I feel like we have similar benches, yet uh, the example you used for your MVP added to my bench. Um, so I am benching all of the department leaders. Um, similarly, for the culture that is um, spread at the Bureau, I believe it was last chapter where um, Amari's waiting by the director's um, residence. And that's where the Department of Records kids go by and are sneering up at her. And then in this chapter, we not only have, well, it was at the end of the last chapter as well, um, the kids snub letting her have access to the same information they have. Um, but also this grown adult puts on a 12 year old like being an example of her kind and the mm. fact that that was done to like black kids all the way all the time still to this day um but specifically i'm thinking about like um desegregation and how like like these grown adults were putting on to children like their like these were the things that they were taught to themse themselves and their families and that they were propagating and that they were upholding. And they've had enough time to like sit with that, marinate in that and like question it. And yes, um, you have to be confronted with things to sometimes like start to question um, what's been put in front of you. But to put that on a 12 year old child is just, like a mess and should not ever be done and um just the way that like this whole situation like is set up like I just know like part of me like the way that like knowing that Dylan is a magician and knowing that his sister uh, Maria is a, a magician like I wonder so much about how differently their um journeys might have been had they been out as uh, magicians in the Bureau um, and how different it would be from Omari's journey. But I also just feel like, I don't know. I just like, I don't like the whole token thing, mm -hmm. the whole being an example thing and how much weight that has on Amari already for showing that she belongs. Like it's not, the onus is not on Amari to show that she belongs. The onus is on the Bureau to be better about actively creating an environment for people who have abilities to thrive that's on that's a call of to action for the bureau and not for the child who has to exist within your system so that's my overall why i'm like i'm benching all the departments because none of them are doing a really great um job at making sure that not only their departments, but at, but even the chief like someone needs to answer to someone and no one's holding anyone to the fire to make them answer to that they're just going along with it. And that's what allows the ranger to be like, while it's a 
decent change for the Ranger. Um, it is like a bureau-wide sentiment that this Ranger is having to combat and that sh- the Ranger shouldn't have to combat that. Yeah. That's real. Well, thanks y'all for listening. We'll be back next week with chapter 26. We're getting really close to the end at this point. So like, I don't remember what happens next chapter, but I know stuff's about to start popping off. <laughs> I said something like before we got to benches and I was like, oh shoot. Okay. <laughs> I looked real quick at the next page. And I was like, oh shoot. I remember now. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So, things are popping, about to start ramping up. I'm excited. Don't forget, let us know what department you would join. I think we asked at, like, the beginning of the book, but, like, now that we have a little bit more insight into, like, what departments uh, there are and what they look like, um, I might be, we might be missing some, but there's Department of Good Fortunes and Bad Omens, Department of Creature Control, um supernatural investigations licenses and records magical science half truths and full cover-ups unexplained undersea relations dreams and nightmares hidden places supernatural health and uh department of the dead so like i said i'm probably missing one or two but we'll like put like polls up on social media also you can reply um through spotify if you're listening to us on spotify and let us know we're curious I'm still trying to decide. So once we, I guess next week I'll yeah decide. I've, I've, um, I've, I've narrowed it down, but I have not, I have not committed. Yeah. <laughs> Wizard Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create. If you want to keep up with our content, you can check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com. Follow us on Twitter at blacknerdscreate, at Yana Rodit, at Robin underscore Rambles, and at Poor Shea. Follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at Black Nerds Create. Subscribe to our monthly magic newsletter. And don't forget to rate and review our podcasts everywhere that you're listening to this podcast. Thanks, y'all. Bye.